Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, what do you got there? This is the new Ping G430 Max 10K driver. It's next level, I'll tell you. It's so impressive. We all know that Ping help you play your best. I've been using them for years. I wouldn't use anything else. In fact... This new driver, it's Ping's straightest and highest moment of impact driver ever. Holy moly. So on the course, what's that going to mean? How's it going to help golfers? Well, to put it simply, it means people are going to be hitting longer, straighter, and they're going to absolutely crack their drives off the tee. I could talk about it all day. It's that good. But the best thing to do if you want to check out how impressive Ping's new G430 Max 10K driver is, just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a ping club fitting and I'll see you out there with my ping gear. It's week 32 of the golfing calendar. And now, live from the Australian Golf Centre, home of the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia, this is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. Right, are we pushing the button yet or not? Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're away. Oh, I didn't know that. So, Lucas Glover doesn't wear a glove. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are the, honestly, what are the odds on that? The only golfers I can think of in the modern era who haven't worn gloves are Fred mm-hmm. and Lucas. That's it. Yeah. So you think of all the golfers that have played. Thousands and thousands of professional golfers at a reasonable level. And Lucas, whose last name is Glover, doesn't wear a glove. Doesn't wear a glove. Yeah. That's the, just ridiculous. I could, Corey Pavin is another one, but is he the modern era? I don't know. Yeah, he I is. suppose you could. Yeah. yeah I'll Sorry, put him Corey. in the modern era. <laughs> I'll put him in the modern era. Okay. That's for sure. Um, I, I loved... I mean, we've got, we got to talk about Bryson first, but yeah, I, want to get back, I want to get back on the, we, we to the FedEx Cup. Bryson DeChambeau has shot 119 in two rounds of golf, and he's done that to win a tournament. I know a lot of people that have done that for one round of golf. Yeah, (laughs) stacks. 119 shots, Nick. I mean, honestly, I know it was a past 70. Yes, the Green Briar. I've played there many times. What's it like? Is it a tough course? It's it's gettable. That's that's where uh, Stuart Appleby shot his 59. Uh, Remember that? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. To win the golf tournament as well. He birdied the last to shoot 59. And it was playing soft. I saw a couple of the highlights. There was a bit of rain. Uh, Was it playing soft? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming it was preferred lies. I'm guessing. If there was some rain, I would assume it was. Maybe. the, The scoring was insane, though. Just on that, Mr. 59, Al Guyberger, not many people know this. That was a preferred lie day. Was it really? Yes, it was. Does and it I, count with preferred lies then? Well, <laughs> it's a really good point you ask. I met Al Guyberger once and he gave me his card. And this is, this is magnificent. He gave me the card and it's got Al Guyberger, 
Oh, his business card. His business card. Al Guyberger, Mr. 59, a phone number, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, open it up. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, open it up. And I opened it up, and that was his score. His scorecard was there. So his card was a, a folded card, but then you opened it up, and it was his 59, which was pretty cool. Anyway. That's an awesome ego trip right there. I know. <laughs> but I asked him. I said, because no, I'd had about 15 beers. And I was at the Masters, and he was speaking at uh, this this uh, dinner. So I asked him, I said, someone told me a long time ago, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but I don't want it to be true, Al. Was it preferred lies when you shot the 59? He goes, yes, it was. Wow. Really up front. There it was, bang. And his was a 13 under, too, because it was on a par 72. Par 72, mm. and he did it with a persimmon driver. Impressive. I used to makes watch, it very impressive. Did you ever watch his CyberVision video? No. He put out something years and years ago. Yeah. It was called CyberVision, and it was basically, it was like a, not neuro-linguistic program, but it was kind of that style of mental training where you just right. sit and watch and absorb the golf swing, and it gave you the best rhythm ever so if anyone's out there still got a copy of um, i was trying to find one the other yeah. day but I, I can't find it anymore no nah. well mm. he, anyway. he, he did have a beautiful swing oh. al guyberg well, he had the perfect swing he did that's what they said um uh, but back to bryson you know it, it looks like he's not going full lunatic but the ball speed's still in the 190s nick it is way up there and he spoke afterwards about this new driver that he's been using recently called a crank driver, which that's, apparently K R A N K crank. Right. That's won multiple world long driving championships. Yes, that's what I've and heard he before. Was, he was a bit coy about it as well, which I'm not quite sure why. But afterwards, he says, "Look, I don't want to say too much about it, but it's fantastic for golfers that had over 175 mile per hour ball speed." Hundred. Oh yeah, which ball, ball pretty speed. much counts out everyone, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> except those except for Rory Tiger top, top guys. Yeah, the top guys. Yeah. Top top. He just said, look, I hit it in the toe, hit it in the heel, everything goes straight. So we've, you know, we've spoken about the rules and uh, rolling yeah. back the ball and all that. For me, it's the driver is a massive influence yeah, on it. These it modern is. day drivers, the way kids are able to grow up now, just smashing the hell out of it, hit it anywhere on the face and it tends to go fairly straight. Look, it still mm. does go wide, but apparently he's found one where it just keeps going straight and with his power... You're just going to over, over, over yeah. dominate golf courses. And no doubt the driver face has evolved with the missile ball that is designed <laughs> not to spin with the longer clubs and to uh, take some spin with the wedges. Mm. I've, I've told you this before. I, I went to TaylorMade a long time ago when I was playing TaylorMade clubs. Uh, and where's there? They're in San Diego. And you walk through the front door and underneath the big TaylorMade sign it says... You don't have to be a rocket scientist to work here, but it helps. <laughs> and, and that's true. I mean, what they have done with the golf ball and their ability to just get it uh, inches out of their uh, equipment is just incredible from the... You know, from the prosimon hallmarks I had when I was a kid. Yeah, all the manufacturers, they're just sort of... You know, flaunting that line between what is legal and what is not. And we've had conversations yeah. about this where in testing, it's all perfectly legal. But after you hit it, the driver a number of times over mm. a period, it can actually become illegal because the face changes slightly. Yeah. So that's why they're constantly doing this testing. But it, look, at the same time, Bryson, he birdied the last four holes yep. to shoot 58. First time a sub-60 score in live golf. So yep. they were obviously over the moon. 
the commentator, Arlo White, got a little bit excited, as you can imagine, at the end. Um, but you've still got to hold the parts, and he just rolled everything in. Everything. Pure. And the greens were pure, yeah. too. They were soft. Uh, they were pure. It's just a great combination for low scoring. That putt on the last was so perfect. Yeah, you needed two putts for 59, didn't you? Yeah, and I reckon he was trying just to get it close, and it went in the perfect speed right in mm. the middle. It was impressive. I would imagine one of the cameramen got his leap in the air too, which uh, <laughs> will be going all over the world. It's probably a little bit higher leap than what Phil Mickelson did at the Masters when he won, if you remember that jump. Yeah, I think he got right. about six inches off the ground. Uh, in saying all that, though, you know, 58s are great. Um, and live golf, good luck to him. Mm. You know, it's not my cup of yeah. tea, but good luck to him. It's, it's good to watch when something like that's going on. But I've got to say, at the Wyndham Championship, the last tournament before the FedEx Cup, yes. Watching all the players that were on bubbles was sensational viewing. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? Oh, Bubble it was boy incredible. watch. It was incredible to watch the twists and turns of Justin Thomas. Um, Cam Davis started the week at number 69, mm. needed to make the cut, did yeah. make the cut, shot four under in the last round when he was, you know, really needed something. Adam uh, Scott. Adam Scott. Oh. That was a little painful at the end there for him. I mean, he finished beautifully, beautifully shot a four, uh, sorry, birdied four of his last six holes to shoot 63. And as yeah. it turned out, missed out by a shot. And now he, did you know this? He has made every FedEx Cup playoffs since it started, yeah. 16 in a row. And now there's only one person in them remaining that has that streak, Matt Kutcher. Matt Kutcher. And he made the playoffs again. I thought Matt would be ready for the seniors tour, actually, but, I, <laughs> but he's still only probably mid-40s. So. I'm just having a look at some of the Aussie guys. So Jason Day's in at number 11. Cam Davis has got through at number 62. Scotty's missed at 72. Aaron Badley missed at 96. Harrison Endicott, great first season, really. Mm. I mean, he's finished 129th, but... He's got time. Yeah. yeah. So, so the thing about the playoffs is now they're going into this three-tournament three playoffs. It used to be four. 125 made the playoffs. Now it's just top 70. This is the first season they've done it. So the players who finish outside the top 70, then they're going to play that fall series. There's about seven events after the playoffs, and that will determine the rankings from 51 and onwards, basically. Right. So, so tell me this. Uh, Aaron mm. Baddeley at 96, yes. he'll be playing in that fall series? He will. Top 125 keep the card at the end of the season. Remember right that. Right. What about Cameron Percy? Because he always seems to finish at 152, <laughs> which he's done again. And he's had a long life on the PGA Tour, Cameron Percy. He has squeezed every little bit of juice out of his mm. lemon. He, he really has. Um, I just wish he'd just have a cracking year one year. Just, Remember? Yeah, just a few years keep his card in a row would be nice. He's in that 126 to 150 category a bit throughout his career, and he's been on Corn Ferry, then up on the PGA Tour a few times. But you're right, he just hasn't had that real breakout year, mm. and he is one of the best ball strikers on tour from tee to green. Remember when he lost the playoff to a hole-in-one oh, yes. in night? It was, it was darkness. Who was the little guy uh, who did it? Jonathan Bird. Bird. That's Jonathan the one. Jonathan Bird. B Y R D. In Vegas. Yeah, that's right. In Vegas, where he <laughs> made the hole out. Walk uh, off. Mm. Uh, Lucas Herbert, 153. Greg Chalmers, 218. So those guys, pretty limited. What's Greg going to do? He's good on Twitter, Greg Chalmers. He's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, he'll probably get some starts in this fall series uh, again. I'm, I'm not sure what if they're calling it a fall series anymore, but the tournament's after the playoffs. Uh, him and Jeff Ogilvy is another one. He's mm. just outside the 200 as well. So all those guys will be playing for their playing rights next season. But the, the guy who was watching that bubble the most was Ben Griffiths because he was 68 going yeah. into it. Yeah. And uh, he missed the cut. 
And uh, he was floating. He was like 70, 71, 70, 69, 72. He was going all over the place. And as it turned out, only one player, this was fascinating for me, one player outside the top 70 got into the top 70 that week. And that was Lucas Glover. Oh, you're kidding me. He went from 112th. Lapped up 63 spots to 49. I thought there would have been a few, but there yeah. was, he was the only one. What, what about Justin Thomas? Did you see, you know, that they, they, they made him a very big focus. They did. And they put what his number was after every single hole. I think he started at 72, got the 71, got yep. the 70. And he made the eagle on 15, he got to 70. Got to 70, that's right. <laughs> didn't he bogey the very next hole? Bogeyed and he, 16. And he didn't move. He went from 70, stayed at 70. Then he's finished par par, but he's chip at the last. Mm. You know, he, he hit a drive left and he was in the trees on the pine straw. He hit this massive big hook to the front of the green. Shocking 18th hole, by the way. Is it? It's terrible. Well, the drive's straight downhill and then you got this uphill. It's yeah. just, it's not a good it's finishing too much, hole. Is it? I've, uh, it, well, it's just a very strong par four. If you hit a good drive down there, but then you're off this downhill lie trying to hit a high shot. I mean, that's... Yeah. But if you're long enough, you can get down a bit further onto the flat. But not me. I was obviously halfway down the hill trying to, <laughs> trying trying to, hit, a, hill. Trying to hit a high four iron <laughs> off a downhill lie, which not really my strength. <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyway. God. Uh, anyway, if you didn't see it, uh, his chip jars out of the hole. I'm not sure whether it had much spin on it. It might have gone about 10 foot part. I don't yeah. know. But, gee, it would have been so big. Like, if that went in, that would have gone around the world, I reckon, around the golf world. Yeah, I, I tell you, Zach Johnson's got a tough job coming up with the Ryder Cup because JT, I know his form hasn't been great, but he's been showing something. And when it counted, he, he did show something. So there's a lot of, I'm sure, a lot of live people going, well, Bryson should be in yeah. now and Kepka and, and possibly DJ and Gooch. Who's he going to pick? That's going to be very interesting to watch in the next. I think he's got two more weeks before he has to decide. So I'm just going to give you one name from that. Mm-hmm. Gooch, he's the interesting one to me. One back-to-back, uh, Australia and Singapore. Form stays pretty well. Yeah, he's number one on the live rankings. So he, he's an uncomplicated player. Uh, we know he's got a very rich caddy. Uh, <laughs> G'day, Malcolm Baker. Yep. Uh, would you sneak him in, that team? I'd sneak him in. I, I, I would. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I, I don't know Taylor, and I don't know the, the team dynamics of who's you know what Zach's thinking, because... Sometimes these captains' picks comes down to personalities. Yeah. Okay. Are they going to gel well with the team? We know DJ will because yep. he's just kind of laid back and Everyone does whatever. It. Yeah. Yep. Brooks is going to be in there probably on points. Yep. He's not the big biggest team player, so if he was like you know ten on the points list and had to get a captain's pick, I'm not sure they pick him. But he's he's probably going to get in. Yeah, he'll get in. Bryson. There's another tough one on the team bonding side of things. So, Coming off 119 for 36 holes. Mm, it's hard to say no. I, I know. but Yeah, but, and he's driving the ball great. And Marco Simone, where the Ryder Cup's going to be in Italy, you're going to need to drive the ball very well around there because the rough, I've heard, is going to be crazy high. Mm. Mm. Hey, news broke last week, right after we recorded our podcast last week, that Tiger Woods has joined the Tour Advisory mm. Board on the PGA Tour. Now, this was big news. I don't think it got covered here very well. What does that signal to you <laughs> straight away? Now, I, I mean, I, I was a member of the PGA Tour in 94. I can't mm. remember what was going on, but you were there for a long, long time. Yeah. So the PGA Tour Advisory Board, is that player-driven or is that... It's a mix. A so mix. there's 12 people on the policy board, as they call it. Six of them are players. And yep. what they do, they had this 
they have categories of the players. You have, you know, the top 20 or 30 category and then the next 30, next 30 and so on. You have all these names that the players vote on who they want on there and right. I, I never got chosen to be on there. So I, I don't know much about the policy board. Was your name up? Oh, yeah, I was always on there, on the list, you know, okay. to, if they wanted to choose me. But, yeah, just like at the moment, for instance, the six players who are directors on the policy board are Tiger, Cantlay, Charlie Hoffman, Peter Malnati. Mm. Rory McIlroy and Webb Simpson. Right. So there's a real spread of players across you know where they are on the rankings and things like that. The other six guys are you know well it was Randall Stevenson <laughs> who yeah. was the AT&T CEO, CEO but obviously he left because he wasn't comfortable with the PIF. Uh, I don't know who else is on there. I'm sure it was Jimmy Dunn and those sorts of guys that are uh, involved in the executive roles of the PGA Tour. But um, yeah, they decide the policies going forward. I know Tiger's, his first big issue that he wants happen uh, because there has been talk about the invitationals like the Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer, the Jack Nicholas, yeah, which the is the Memorial, Tiger's event. Yeah. Uh, there was talk about them being no cuts, but he wants them to have a cut. Right. So he's going to have a bit of an influence in that regard because he's a big believer in cuts because obviously he had you know the, the record cut streak and things yeah, like that. Right. And that's that's the cutthroat nature of golf. And I, I think cuts should be a part of the game going forward. I'm not a fan of no-cut events myself. No, I love the cut. Mm. That, that, I absolutely love cuts because it, it it's something to watch. Absolutely. You know, th- this, this is one of the most important things. You know, if, if you've got a four-round event... Yeah, you, you've got to have, you know, JT's going to miss another cut. Well, we saw or, with the bubble, right? The guys yeah, who, exactly are, who right. are fighting. I mean, I'm sure throughout your career, you've, oh, you've yeah. had certain, you know, Q schools or, or, or whatever. I've had it in mind. What, have you been yeah. on that bubble at times? Oh, yeah. I remember there was one year when I was 62nd and it was a top 60 was going to be exempt in Australia. Yeah. Uh, so I needed to make the cut at uh, the last tournament of the year, which was the Coolum Classic back oh, nice. in those days. Uh, Loved it. Which was great. Anyway, I was on the cut line coming down, on the cut line coming on down the 36th hole and I knew what the cut was going to be and I fit in the trap. And I've hold the trap shot. Is this so on eighteen? On eighteen, on, on my eighteenth. It was on the ninth. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So part four, great little part, hole. little one. Or water all the way down the right. So I made the cut. Wow. And then I managed to play reasonably well on the weekend, but not that well. <laughs> so you were the, outside the bubble. Now you know the eighteenth hole. It, oh yeah. Cooler more than anybody. It is a daunting, daunting hole. And I always had the lefts as a player, right? And there's water all the way left. It's not a good hole for a left-hander, I tell anyway, you. Anyway, I, I, we figured out that I just needed a par to keep my card. And I remember hitting it all the way down the right, hitting the traps. And then I hit it into the traps again on the right-hand <laughs> side to stay away. And I've got up and down from the trap. Um, and it, I ended up finishing 60, uh, 58th. Oh, well done. But it, that was my experience. The bubble I is thought, a rotten joint. It's, it's a gonna, horrible place to be. I thought you were going to tell me a horror, horror story there. No, yeah. No. yeah, I needed to part the last one year as well, but that was to win the tournament and I didn't. So. Yeah, that's right. But, but I, you won the playoffs. But it all worked out well. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same thing at a Q school, European Q school. I came to my final hole. They have a four-round cut. Right. Six rounds, final stage, and I needed to make birdie on this par five right. to make it through to the last two days. Gettable in two? Yes, I was in a greenside bunker, yeah. and like you, I hold my bunker shot for eagle. For eagle. Eagle. And I ended up uh, getting the 26th out of 30th card, so I, that, that really kicked me on. So it's little instances like that in a pro's career. Sometimes making a cut on the number can be more than having a top 10 finish because it just gets you over the hump to the following week to go, right, okay, my game's now in good shape. Whereas if you miss out on those two days of competitive golf, 
then you're kind of left wondering a bit and you're still fighting the mental demons and then you miss three or four cuts in a row and then you start questioning everything. That is correct. Now, the bubble's a horrible place, but that's why I loved watching the FedEx, uh, mm. you know, the, the, the numbers at the Wyndham <laughs> and also just the JT. And, you know, it's just, we've got stories. I, I love that. Now, back, back to Tiger. Well, just on that last point, yeah. we're going to see more bubbles over the next two weeks because now yeah. you've got the top 70 needs to be top 50, 50 and then top, top 30. 30. Yeah, so it's Top 30 be... is a big one too mm. because you get two years exemption instead of one. Yes. Uh, which, is, which is big news. But just going back to Tiger, yep. I can't think of a better person I'd rather have on it to make everything work. I, I've just got the feeling that if Tiger's in a room with the Saudi uh, people, I think they'll listen to him. Oh, for sure. I think they would. I think I think he'd be a hard person to say no to. Yes, uh, for sure. I know he's got the game at heart. I know he's the. I, I mean, he doesn't need the money. He's not going to put things in that's going to help him. I don't think. I'd, I'd be surprised. No, he doesn't mind a bit of cash, though. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah, you know? I, I know what you mean. So, uh, for instance, he wants to keep the traditions of the game intact. That's right. I, I don't think he's going to make a rule anytime soon. That you can use a cart, all right? Yeah, which, oh, which we've just spoke about, yes. Which would help him. <laughs> I don't think he's that type of person. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't think... I think he'd be a good person to say who can come back from live. Mm -hmm. I think, I think he, you know, if he's in charge of that judgment, I, I think that wouldn't be a bad thing. But then did you hear during the week, Phil Mickelson came out and said, there is no player on this tour that wants to go back to the PGA Tour. So that's another conversation entirely. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not so sure. Not so sure. Phil okay. can speak for everybody in in that situation. <laughs> but he I, likes like, to. Don't worry. Yeah, so. he does like to. I think Brooks Kepka would like to come back. I think the Live Tour is perfect for Brooks because he doesn't care about regular season events anyway. He only cares about four tournaments a year. So the Live Golf works out enormously well for him. Yeah. And he gets guaranteed money and can practice whatever he wants, and then goes to the four majors and just competes well. I wonder if Brooks likes traveling. That's the downside. That's They've the got downside to go all around the world. Yes, yeah. no, you're spot on there, actually. So that, that's mm. that's my query there. Mm. But I'm glad that Ti I'm really glad that Tiger Woods is on that board, mm. uh, and, and he's put all his backing behind Jay Monahan. That's, that surprised a lot of people, but he's basically said, listen, Jay's the man. I'm going to stand right behind him. He's the right guy for this job. Yeah, it did. And the other big thing on the PGA Tour this week coming is the 2024 full schedule gets announced uh, this week. So we'll keep an eye on that, how that all looks and shapes up. Well, hopefully, Nick, uh, because we always broadcast from headquarters, uh, Australian Golf headquarters, if there is any news, we'll endeavour to get Gavin Kirkman mm. or James Sutherland because we're wondering what's going to happen. I mean, if... If the reports are correct, and it's a billion-dollar buy-in from uh, the PIF, mm -hmm. I, I, I heard it was $2 billion, but if it's a billion dollars, let's yep. just go that way. That's a lot of money. It is. And we want some of it. And spread it around the <laughs> world. That <laughs> we, would be nice. We want some of it. We, <laughs> well, we want to be looked after. Yeah, well, our schedule here in Australia just got released last week. Uh, they had a big announcement, the PGA, Gavin Kirkman down at Sandhurst yeah. Golf Club. So uh, we've got a nice little schedule coming up before Christmas. Look yeah. forward to uh, doing the TV commentary. I sent you a little bit of footage before, and it was Lucas Glover putting with his long putter. Oh, yes. Now, I reckon that <laughs> is anchoring. Now, okay. I'm using my best judgment. Yes, well, look at that video footage. I think he's anchoring. What about you? I've seen worse. I will say that. 
from what you sent me, where he puts his left hand up against his shirt, shirt. he's definitely indenting into the buttons and the creases. Yeah. It looks if he is touching his chest, it's a light touch. And the rule is written. Again, this is where it comes yeah. down to the vagaries of the rules, and we can get into that after the turn. But uh, it's it's all about the intent. You can accidentally anchor. Accidentally. I didn't intend to put it against my <laughs> chest, but yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I've seen worse, and looking at it, it doesn't look great. We've just finished up. We've just put it out in the front nine. Okay. On the back nine, I'm going to call Stuart McPhee, mm. who is a rules expert. I've sent him the footage, and he'll give us his view. Love it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, if you haven't checked out the Golf Clearance Outlet, then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know that was a hell of a year for golf equipment, Nick. You're spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course. But as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties Mm. as well and plenty for both men and women and If you're after a great Prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty putting now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Nick, I know you've heard of the Watch My Numbers app. It is brand new and it is going to dominate the golf app scene for a long, long time. If you want to improve your game, you need to know the areas you're doing well in and where you need to improve. And this app will tell you exactly that, Nick. Yeah, you're spot on, Mark. It's the most powerful database golf app in the world and it helps analyze and improve your game like never before because it uses real-time data from your rounds and highlights the areas of your game that you want to look at. You get actionable and usable info in minutes, not hours. That's really important. It's easy to use. You can set up your profile very quickly. I've done mine. And start accessing data and subscriber-only content straight away. Hmm. Who's it aimed at? Well, it's aimed at people who want to improve their game. It's for all levels of every golfer out there, particularly powerful if you're a mid to low handicapper, but it's great for the elite level and pros as well. So elite and pros as well. I like that. Watch my numbers. Download it from the App Store and turn your bogeys in the birdies. Like the podcast? Oh, maybe tell a friend. Drop them a text or share it on your socials. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. All right, are you finished your party pie? Are you ready to go on the back nine? Certainly am. Uh, just before we get to Stuart McPhee, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Mm. 
because Stuart's one of our highest ranked working rules officials that we have, one, one of the best we've got. And he knows his stuff. He's actually got a podcast on rules. Fantastic. We've got to ask what the name All is right. when we get to him. But there's big news. Uh, we talked about Lafayette last week, and we had uh, uh, Dan a Lafian, uh intro last week. Thank you so much for that. And well, did it work? Well, well, it, it appears to Nick. Whatever you did, now you took this on. <laughs> you took this as a as a as a, a, a responsibility to, to fix the issue. Whatever you did worked because well, we have got two. I love it, listeners in Latvia. Well, I have to thank Bruce Shaw, who I played golf with. His <laughs> son-in-law obviously made the call across the family in Latvia, and we've done it. We've That's good. broken the market. Well, I'm glad it. to say. I think we, we leave that there. We did have one one person who wrote in and said, oh, "How about you look at Poland now? Because you've got zero there." <laughs> I think we'll. I think we'll leave that. <laughs> right, uh, I reckon Lucas Glover was anchoring only just, but anchoring. Okay, and you're not so sure. Touch and go. Right, well, Stuart McPhee, like I said, is a working rules official, one of the highest ranked that we have in this country. He's got his own podcast. Mark. Uh, g'day, Stuart. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. And what's the name of your Golf Rules podcast? Golf Rules Questions. Beautiful. We'll have to, we'll have, we'll have to listen We're in. We're going to have to listen. Hmm. Now, I've sent you the footage uh, that I took off my television uh, of Lucas Glover, and it was on about the 15th or the 16th hole. And it looks highly suspicious to me, which is enough for me to say that he's anchoring. Because <laughs> um, I see other players, Stuart, like um, Adam Scott, who keeps his hand well away. Um, but that one just looked like it was a step too far for me. But I'm not a rules official, Stuart. What about you? Well, you know, I probably think it is as well. But the problem with this particular rule is there's a big but. And the but is how do you prove it? Now, just to clarify the actual rule about anchoring, it's just not the forearm or the hand. It actually can be the club itself physically pressed up against the stomach or the chest. I think one thing we can be very easily fooled with is just because the forearm or the club itself touches the clothing doesn't mean there's a breach of the rule. That the club itself or the hand or the forearm has to actually sort of be, you know, that physical anchor into that chest or the stomach. That's the issue. And I think the issue is... You know how do you prove it? And we've got mechanisms, you know, ways to do that. But I think on the surface, it's it may look like that, but it doesn't automatically mean there's a breach of that rule. Yeah, it looked a bit touch and go for me there, Stuart. So Mark and I have debated about this previously as well. What about Bernard Langer? Because his left arm definitely looks as though it's kind of pushing against his side, and that his hand and everything is not anchored, but it looks as though his sort of his elbow and and the forearm looks as though that is anchored. Have you seen his action and what do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, definitely have. And I think if you were to compile a list, and there's not that many on this list that actually use the long putter skill, but he'd be right towards the top of that list where you'd have a suspicion of, uh, you know, his technique. Mm. Uh, What we would do is if we had suspicion of a play, and let's say we were officiating and saw that play and you had suspicion, the first thing you'd probably do is talk to the chief referee or the tournament director and just raise it with them. Another referee may have mentioned that. If there's some history there and you think, yeah, I've heard this before, maybe the tournament director might actually go and follow that player for a few holes and watch them putt and keep a closer eye on that. And I think the next step would be just simply asking the player after the round. And it really just comes back to the integrity of that player. And, you know, if that person gets asked, hey, did you anchor? I think we saw you on 16. Were you anchoring? You know, did you press it up against your chest? And the player says no. You know, that player has to go to bed that night and sleep well. Um, you know, similar to, did you cause the ball to move? And the player goes, no, I didn't, I didn't touch it. I didn't cause it to move. Okay, well, we've got nothing to 
you know, nothing to counter that. So we've got to go with what the player said. And I think this particular rule, it's really hard to, unless you really saw, you know, the whole shirt being pressed out of the way and the skin is clearly, you know, the club has clearly been pretty forcefully put into the chest. It's a really hard one to prove. I think this one does come down to the integrity of the player. Yeah, it is a vague one in that regard. But now, is the rule written like, and we're getting into the you know, the weeds on this, I guess, but if the player comes back and said, well, actually, yes, I did anchor looking at that, but I didn't intend to. So is intent a big mm. part of it? Yeah, look, intent is a big part of a lot of rules. Uh, this is not one of them. Uh, so the, the, the reality is that if you actually do, you know, create that anchor, that physical contact with the chest or the stomach, make that stroke. The stroke does count, but you do incur the general penalty to, you know, two strokes and stroke play uh, for that stroke. I've got a way around this. When you talk to the player before round and say, um, you know, give us a look at your technique, if what they show you on the practice putting green on Tuesday and Wednesday is very different on Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So, for instance, if you can see daylight between the hand and the shirt, on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then on Sunday, you're seeing what I showed you, surely then you could almost come over the top of the player and say, listen, this isn't what you showed us on Tuesday and Wednesday, Sport, and, and we've had enough, and we're going to get you. Yeah, absolutely. I remember every every event is run by a committee. has a championship committee, a tournament committee. You have a chief referee, a tournament director. You have rules officials. But there is a body of people, a committee, responsible for running, whether it be the PGA or Golf Australia or whoever, there's a committee and they ultimately have ultimate authority to do what they want, realistically. Um, there's a saying in rules and that is the committee is always right, even when they're wrong, right? They have that much power. So they could quite comfortably step in. And, you know, you guys know, you know, players have certain reputations, certain players do, not all do, but they have reputation. Maybe they're a little bit close you know, getting to the edge with a particular breach the way they do something, and this might fall into that category. And you would definitely have a conversation with the player. You know, the player has a reputation to uphold. The player doesn't want to know be known in the locker room as, you know, flaunting the rules, and you guys know that. But you don't want to have that cloud over your head. Stuart, uh, you've been fantastic. We'd, we'd love to get you back on from time to time when we've got little questions to ask because um, mm. you've been fabulous about this one. Of course, love to. All right, that'd be great. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the chat. It's nice. We've got our own rules official on, on tap. This How is about awesome. that? Huh? That's, is he on the payroll, Dan? <laughs> what are we, we going to do? He knows his stuff. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what we've got to do. We've got to get him to do a top five rules mm. that uh, players think they're – that players don't know they're breaking, that most of the time they are breaking or something like that. We've got to get that done. Uh, time for some results. Nick, what have you got for us? Yeah, we've got a few this week, actually. A lot of Aussies around the world playing. We saw, obviously, Adam Scott and Cameron Davis finished tied seventh at the Wyndham Championship on the LPGA Tour. Celine Boutier went back, back to, back. to back. Yes, winning the Women's Scottish Open after winning the, the Evian yeah. Oh, the Evian, that's right. It's the Women's Open this week. So she could do three in a row with two majors. Wouldn't that be something? But uh, best of the Aussies there was Sarah Kemp. Tied for ninth. And how about this from Minji Lee, by the way? What'd she do? She opened with a round of 80. She did. She had not. a snowman on the first round. Are you joking? Comes back with 66, 68, 66 to and finish fin tied 13th. With that an is, 80. With an 80. That's one of the best comebacks That's I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Steph Kuriaka also finished tied for 13th. So a couple of good Aussie results she there. She's becoming a human ATM herself, mm. uh, young Stephanie Kiriaku. Good yeah. on her. Yeah, she's moved into the top uh, 50 on the 
uh, LPGA rankings there, which is great. Uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour, someone who has been playing well of late is Curtis Luck. He's been putting in a nice little run of form together. The again. boy from Perth? Yes. Won a US Amateur Championship? Correct. Yeah. He finished tied for 12th at the Utah Championship, but tied for 12th this week. He only shot 17 under. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> normally that gets you about tied 30, but apparently it was a tougher course. The cut, the cut this week was only six under, could yeah. you believe? Crazy. I saw the guy who won didn't make a bogey oh. all week. Not one. Unbelievable. Not, Unbelievable. Not a and I saw Sean O'Hare playing too. You would have played a bit of golf yes, with Sean O'Hare. I did. So uh, he looked like he's playing half decent again. Yep. Uh, on the Challenge Tour, Matt Fitzpatrick's brother, remember how he yeah. beat him at uh, the, did, what was it, the USA? He won on the Challenge Tour, the British Challenge. Alex How Fitzpatrick. good is this kid going? Ryan Ruffles, tied for 25th, solid week. Well done, Riser. But his sister, Gabby, yes. tied for fourth on the Epsom Tour. She's a must watch. She's just cemented her place at the top of that uh, money list, and she'll be on the LPGA Tour next week. A couple more. Um, on In Japan, Dylan Perry had a top 10, and on the Legends Tour in England, uh, Rod Pampling, Jason Norris had top 10s. I was uh, in Indonesia doing the Indonesian yeah, Open. Yeah, that's right. How like, was it over it there? Was, well, it was actually in Singapore. I wasn't in Indonesia. But uh, Scott Hand had a great chance to win that. He was light, tied for the lead, unfortunately, hooked one out of bounds, oh, and nice. finished tied second, where Nitty Torn Tepong, one, uh, he's a local go- uh, Thai golfer, actually. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I left a lot of the names up to my you. co-host. <laughs> one of the best ones, though, was... You were special comments and they, <laughs> they announced the player covering you. Yeah, one of the best surnames. And when you look at it, you go, oh, my gosh. But when you break it down, this one was Cow Siri Bandit. Cow Siri Bandit. Yeah, it's a great name. Yeah. So if he ever won a tournament, I mean, you've got to go with a bandit line or yeah, something like that. It would have been good. But it was a lot of fun over there with Tim Lowe, so thanks to Tim. Happy Barn Rat was always a scary one until you broke it down to just Happy Barn Rat, and then away we went. That was easy. Well, let's get to some feedback, Dan, because we're getting stacks these days, which is great. So, folks, keep them coming. Keep those questions coming. We love it. Plenty of comments, plenty, a couple of questions, and a couple of uh, uh, a couple of uh, pump ups for you guys too, oh, which is which is yes. good. Black Panther Cycling has said, how, "This is on your top five last week about the uh, worst Rest golfers, yeah. which was very funny." Black Panther Cycling has said, "How come Aaron Badley doesn't get a start in the worst dressed?" Well, I don't remember him. Being badly dressed, bad, badly dressed. So you should actually, you should actually do your top, uh, your top five this week on players who have erotic names because yes. Lucas Glover that doesn't wear a glove. So get start writing <laughs> uh, okay. a few things down now, will, will you please? Yes, and get that done. Aaron, Aaron dresses badly. Yeah, I think that was one of his nicknames for a while. It so. was there for a little bit. It was. Yeah, it was for a little bit. Other than bads.com. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jake Cameron has said, always look forward to watching the masterclass after listening to the podcast about it. It's interesting, and this is on the one from last week with mm. the the intermediate line. It's interesting how many players that I play with who don't do this don't pick an intermediate target. Yeah. Oh, that was the spotlining masterclass, which I don't do, but I know you're a big fan of, Mark. Well, see, it's, we're getting to a lot of ironic <laughs> spots here. We're, we're going to have an ironic top five. Yes. Nick, last week, or we'll call Nico Who did a, a spotlining one last week and he's never spotlined in his life. Um, it's a bit like, you know, have you ever gone 10-pin bowling, Dan? You know those little arrows down there? Apparently the, the great 10-pin bowlers don't look at the pins all the way down the other end. They look at the little arrows. Well, well, I look at the arrows and I'm certainly not a great 10-pin bowler, but it's great fun. Yeah, it is good fun. Uh, if I get over 100, that's a good day. Yeah, it is a good day. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, on the masterclasses, this one in response to your short, softy masterclass video, Nick. Mm. This was mm. actually about 
gee, oh, maybe six weeks ago. It was maybe? to do with Hannah Green, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, right. it was. Yeah, mm. when she won in, uh, I think it was LA. Correct. Um, Kevin Courtney has said, hey, Nick, what club are you using in this video? Yes, I remember. That was the lob wedge, actually. Yeah. So a little, little pick off with the lob wedge, but whatever wedge. It's the same yeah. sort of shot. Yep, nice. Could you do one of those with a 56? Yes, can do that. A 54, a short softy? Sure. Right. Why not? Can do it all. But this it's your turn for the masterclass this yeah, week. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is a great bit of feedback here from uh, Harlequin Farm. I, I don't think that's his surname. Oh, maybe it is his surname. Maybe it is. Harlequin Farm has written a really enjoyable perspective on golf from Australia featuring former pro Nick O'Hearn. Uh, Nick O'Hearn is one of those wily pros who mm. competed on smarts mm. and skills. Did you write this, Nick? <laughs> Brings depth in the game married with decades of experience in Europe and the US, which he shares with commentary on the events of the day and a weekly technique tip. It's punchy and witty. And the best of all, it's from outside of the U.S. golf bubble. I appreciate the window into Australian golf and the differences in how the game fits into the culture. Isn't he's, that great? I might have to get him on my payroll, I'd say. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> he's, uh, he's pumped you up, Nicky. Yeah, he did. No mention of you there, Mark, though. Yeah, <laughs> disappointing. We've got another one here. This person, I'm not going to say their name because they've asked us not to. Okay. Right. Hey, boys. I know this will great with you, Marco. I played Mount Lawley on Sunday with a bloke who attempted aim point on every putt. Oh, God. It added 15 minutes to the round, and here's the kicker. He's off a 20 handicap. Oh, my God. I reckon he should work on his speed of the ball. He was all over the shop. Please don't mention my name. Great podcast. All right. I wonder if I know him because that's my home club in Perth, Mount Lawley. Good mm. course. Okay. It's a good, fun course, isn't it, Mount oh, Lawley? I love it. And yeah. they're, uh, OCM's redoing it at the moment. Are they? Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. The, they have a par three there uh, called the Commonwealth. Did you ever play Mount Lawley? I've played it once, but okay. I, can't, I, I can't remember Many a thing years apart ago. from it being a good, fun course. It's a great short hole. The green was in a shape of a map of Australia. I can remember okay. that hole. At Tasmania I in, that. in the bunker. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and over the years, it lost its shape, and they're restoring it, and it's going to be the map of Australia are going to be awesome when it's done. Oh, that is good. And Matthew Dunstone said, I agree with uh, I agree with you guys. Gimmies to players that you know would make it, especially if they go through their whole routine for even short putts, keeps the pace of play. I personally don't take any time to putt short ones, so I always putt out anyway, mm. even if the playing partners say, no, that one's going to be good. It feels better when I earn that double bogey. <laughs> Gimme's aren't for everybody, that's for sure. There's a lot of sticklers out there, and that's fine too, because golf is your golf. You, you play golf the way you want to play your golf. Don't listen to anybody. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to Nick. Mm-hmm. However you want to play golf, play it that way. Just play fast, will you? That's all I can ask. Sam Aliano has said, hey, gents, what a remarkable effort by Bryson overnight. He followed his second round nine under 61 with a 12 under 58. Has anyone in the history of golf scored 21 under in two consecutive rounds? I said uh, it's the lowest I've heard, and he looked it up, Sam. So thank you. Uh, There's another one we need to put on the payroll, is old Sam. Wow. Because he was doing some research for it. It looked like, from what I can remember, because I haven't got his tweet in front of me, it was either 121 or 122. Oh my God! Was what, the previous record? What did Taylor? Oh, Taylor Good shot back to about sixty twos, didn't he at yeah. Lee Adelaide? So which was twenty under? Yeah, one hundred twenty-four. One hundred twenty-four. That's five back. Terrible. Not silly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember. I remember the first time I broke one hundred and forty as a kid. Mm. I thought I was a superhero shooting one hundred and thirty something. I thought I was. I like honestly, yep. that was a big deal back then. And now you got guys shooting 119. Yeah, breaking 130. That's unbelievable as well. Righto, it's time for the top five. Okay, so this week's top five, Mark, you mentioned earlier about Lucas Glover. We're going to go with the top five. I started writing when you mentioned it. Yeah. Top five golfers with ironic names. Oh, <laughs> okay. well, you've had no time. I'll be. I'll, if you're any good. 
Because well, you've had no time to think of this. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Right, the first on. one's a little, uh, it's a soft opening, I'll say that, because we had the Wyndham Championship on the weekend, and yeah. why wasn't Wyndham Clark playing his own tournament? That's fair that's enough. That's what I want to know. That, so. That's fair enough. Okay, yeah. so there's number five. Yeah. Not having seven this week either. Yeah. Lucas Glover, number four, plays with no glove yeah. like that. Yeah, no problem at all. Fits on this list. Yeah, number three. The man who apparently hits the ball out of toe, but his name is Adam Shank. <laughs> <laughs> Someone so. told me that, that his wear marks on his club are slightly in the toe. Wow. And his last name's Shank. I so, haven't, hit, I haven't uh, seen him hit one. I like that. That's out good. of the hosel rocket. That's okay. Good. Number two, I used to play with this man a bit on the PGA Tour. I used to wear some horrific shirts. Who? Duffy Waldorf. That's his name. Yeah. Duffy is a flusher. He's a flusher. So it's pretty ironic to have that sort of a name. I played behind him at the Lakes in 1992, and it was windy, windy, windy. Like, mm. as, as windy as it possibly gets. And he was a flusher, mm. Duffy Waldorf. Very good. Okay. Complete flusher. And number one for the most ironic name that I can think of on short notice, Korean golfer. What? His name is Song You'll Know. Song so, You'll Know. So his nickname is obviously Korean Karaoke. Right. However, apparently he's the only Korean that can't sing correct karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> Song you'll know, can't sing. <laughs> anyway. uh, very good. Righto, it's time for the Masterclass. Now, in round one, I saw a golfer, and I apologise because I don't know her name in the Scottish Open, um, and she had a long bunker shot. It was at least 50 metres well, that's tough. And it was in that really grainy Scottish sand, and it was a bad lie. So it, picking the ball out was impossible. You know, she had a lovely shot. She hit it at 20 feet. Hmm. 20 feet from a pot bunker. Great result. In a bad lie was really... Anyway, when she came out, I saw her give a pitching wedge back to her caddy. And I thought, you're a very smart person. Mm. Because this is important. You don't have to hit... Bunker shots with the sand iron. You can actually do a lot. Now, when I was playing professionally, when I was practicing a lot, I could hit a lob wedge from anywhere from 10 feet, a nice high one, a 10-foot shot with with a fair bit of club head speed, to probably, I don't know, 50 metres mm. with, a, with a good lie. But now that I don't practice hardly at all, I choose to use a pitching wedge or even a nine iron for the longer bunker shots. And... I just do exactly the same thing. It's still an explosion shot. Play it the same way. But you play it exactly the same way. You open the club face up, but instead of using the lob wedge, it's a, it's, it, which is 60 degrees, you're not using the 55 or the 50 or the 45 with as a pitching wedge. You're actually using something that's about 42. So you can use a 42-degree 9-iron for long bunker shots. Love it. And it works an absolute treat. Mm. I'm going to put it, you know how we film them every week. Yeah. I know you do, and you'll be filming. I will. There's a spot there, and there are cars in the background. Oh, this is going to test you and out. And I am super confident <laughs> of hitting the 9-9 to the far edge of this screen, and I won't even go near those cars. Okay, just give me a couple of minutes to shift mine. <laughs> yes. <right>. <laughs> because I know if I was trying to do it with a lob wedge, trying to hit a, a long lob oh. wedge these days, I couldn't do it. Not with, well, not with any those degree cars of accuracy. In, cars are in danger. Yeah, and those cars would be in Could danger. Could go pear-shaped, this one. <laughs> hey, before we go, a very, very big week coming up too because we've got the Open Championship. 
Where's it being played? Do we know? Uh, the Women's Open is at Walton Heath in Surrey. Ooh, this would yeah. be a good look for I've a lot never, of people. I've never played there, but it looks like a fantastic golf course. Uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs start in Memphis, the yes. St. Jude Classic. Live Golf is on again in Bedminster. Yep. And we've also got the U.S. Women's Amateur on this week as well at Bel Air. We've got a few Aussies playing. We've got uh, Justice Bozio, Caitlin Pierce, and the oldest competitor in the field is Sue Wooster. Wow. Well, yeah. Justice, I, I love watching her play. I'd like to see her go deep into the match play. That mm. would be great. A big hello to our two fans in Lafayette, and we'll <laughs> see you next week. Cheers, Mark. Oh, there it is. That's Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast, Talk Birdie to Me. Now, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll never miss an episode. And if you can share with a friend, well, that'll be awesome too. Talk Birdie to Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Two fans. What if we break three at some point? I tell you, well, you know, I think we could get polled. <laughs> you're in, you're in <laughs> <polar zone laughs> target. Well, I think if we if we hit on uh, Adrian Moronk, you Moronk, know, Polish yeah, golfer, I reckon we could uh, grab a few from him. I'm sure he's got a nice following. Yeah, well, we'll give it a shot. Those car, <laughs> I reckon those cars are a little in danger, uh, Mark. Uh, yeah, no in the way. car park. No way. Could Not be. Could be. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.